0: Demolition is an essential part of construction. That which is true for the world of material infrastructures like pipelines and bridges is also valid for immaterial institutions like corporations, like financial markets. To construct a new alternative economy, will first have to destroy the old one. This, we're not currently doing. Instead, we're thinking about the transition as a matter of additions. We try to green things with armies of eco-inventions, like waste-collecting aquatic drones, underwater windmills, lab-grown meat, 5G-based smart grids, all these kind of stuff we see every day. The problem is, this approach has failed. For the last two decades, the richest countries in the world have been trying to fall back within planetary boundaries. None of them has succeeded. Actually, 20 years later, most environmental indicators are worse today. So this calls for a completely new strategy. Forget additions. Let's think about the transition as a matter of subtractions. Let's put innovation aside for a little bit and talk about exnovation, the process of terminating a practice or the use of a technology. This is what I want to talk about today. Removal, shutdown, blockade, divestment, sabotage, degrowth. (laughs) I want to talk about how to diffuse a highly sophisticated climate bomb, an economic system that is destroying the biosphere and that needs to be completely redesigned. Hence today, provocative title, How to Blow Up an Economy. Of course, the problem is not the economy itself. It's a specific economic system, Capitalism and its compulsion for endless growth. Just like a computer, every economy has an operating system, a social cultural software made of many formal and informal rules. Today, our economic system is organized around a grow or die imperative. Governments must maximize their GDP. Cities look at their revenues, businesses are focused on their profit, associations look for funding, and individuals worry about income. At every level of that system, you have incentives in place to maximize financial growth. And guess what happens in a system where every part strives to grow? It gets bigger. An economy which grows at 3% per year doubles in size every generation. And that's where it becomes to be tricky. Every economic activity uses energy and materials. You can use them more efficiently, but you cannot run an economy without them. The more you consume, the more you need to produce. The more you produce, the more you need to extract. The more you extract, the more you take the risk of overshooting the biophysical carrying capacity of your economy. That's where we are today, in ecological overshoot. GDP itself can grow forever because it's immaterial. But ecosystems, on the other hand, they're finite. There are limited quantities of soil, of species, of metals, of of water. Central banks, they can create as many euros as they want, but they cannot create new fossil fuels. Nor can they create extra capacity for the atmosphere to absorb greenhouse gases. So that's that's our fundamental problem. We're trying to sustain an infinite growth within a finite planet, which is a bit like expecting to grow up while keeping your baby shoes for your entire life. So, can't we just green that growth? Just decouple GDP from its ecological impact? I know economists and politicians love this idea of green growth. I mean, it's an easy story. It's a kind of, don't worry, everything's going to be okay, kind of thing to say. But the reality is more complicated. What we currently call green, growth is growth that is slightly decoupled from greenhouse gases. I say slightly because the amount of reductions of emissions is so very tiny, it looks ridiculous in comparison to what needs to be done. With current decarbonisation rates, high-income countries would take an average 220 years to reach carbon neutrality. And in the process, they would admit a bit, almost 30 times their national carbon budget. Calling that growth green is a bit like me saying, well, I've done a diet, I've lost 200 grams in 10 years. <laughs> and keep in mind that here we're only talking about carbon. We're doing way worse for other environmental pressures, which are still heavily coupled with economic activity. Take material footprint for example, it has increased by 9.4% in Europe since the 1990s. I don't care how efficient your economy is if it still overshoots planetary boundaries. Same story for water footprint, land use, biodiversity loss, air and water quality, waste generation. As of today, no economy in the world has managed to reduce this total ecological footprint while growing its economy. The only progress we've seen on the environmental front were during a period of economic crisis. See where this is going? So should we put our economies in a permanent recession? Well, let me put it this way. You're obese and you want to lose 20 kilos. Do you stop eating everything and forever? No. You do a diet, a temporary selective diet, to be back in health. For economies, this is exactly what we need to do. A planned, selective, temporary downscaling of production and consumption in rich communities to lower total ecological footprint. Is that going to be painful? Well, it depends. If you want to lose 20 kilos, you can either do a diet or you can chop one of your leg off. I mean, in terms of kilograms, both courses of action are exactly the same. In terms of well-being, though, one is clearly better than the other. That's the choice we have today: planned degrowth, the diet today, or chaotic collapse tomorrow, the amputation. Either we take the time to organize a just and democratic transition to a smaller, more sustainable economy, or we wait for resources to go scarce and let disaster set the agenda. I understand that some people are afraid of GDP going down, but that's not really what should scare us. Struggling to survive, in a Mad mad Max-like, plus-four-degree world of heat-wave, dead soil, and recurrent pandemics, that's the scary bit. Compared to this, the quantity of money an economy makes is relatively unimportant. Even if growth was perfectly sustainable, it would remain an absurd objective. When people think of growth... They think of well-being, welfare, innovation, progress, civilization, marvellous things. But that's not what growth is. Economic growth is one thing only, an increase in gross domestic product, GDP. This indicator tells us nothing about well-being. And that's actually written in the very manual from the United Nations to calculate it. Chapter one, page 12. Section 75, quote, GDP is often taken as a measure of welfare, but the system of national account makes no claim that this is so, end of quote. So that's strange. Most people think economic growth is great, except the people who know what economic growth is, who tell us that an increase in GDP is neither good nor bad. We cannot know in terms of well-being, because GDP is like... A giant calculator that estimates production by aggregating monetary transactions. But the problem is it's a calculator with only one button, a plus button. Whatever is being produced is going to push GDP up, regardless of its utility in terms of need satisfaction. Insulin and hand grenade. Electric buses and private jets. Private jets. Blowjobs and cocaine. Yeah, because some countries include prostitution and drugs in their GDP. So that's a real hodgepodge that includes useful and useless things while telling us nothing about how it contributes to need satisfaction. Measuring prosperity in terms of GDP is like measuring happiness with kilometers. It's absurd. The purpose of economy is not to boost GDP, it is to content unsatisfied needs. If it's not doing this, your economy is broken, regardless of its level of GDP. If it's doing this, but just for a privileged few, it's not working well. And if it's meeting the needs of today by squandering natural resources and generating unsustainable futures, then we cannot call today's economy prosperous. So the question is not how to green today's economy, but rather how to replace it with a new economy that will be fairer and more sustainable than growth-obsessed capitalism. The weird thing is that we don't often do this. I mean, it's paradoxical, right? Capitalism is supposed to be this haven of innovation, except for the system as a whole. which should always stay the same. I mean, we're... (laughs) We're wasting the minds of almost creative people designing larger SUVs and sneaky ways to bring you to McDonald's. But we never do this for the economy as a whole. Economics has become an unimaginative science, confined to trying to predict the future of the economy. But the future of the economy is not to be predicted. It is to be invented. And let's do a bit of that now. So imagine a society where the economy in its way of thinking is no longer at the center of everything. An economy in balance with the living world, which prioritizes human well-being over the blind accumulation of capital. No more bullshit jobs, no more needless labor. It's an economy where we can afford to nap every day and where progress means filling the calendar with new holidays. Poorer in money, but richer with time and connection. An economy where the use of materials and energy is capped, but where no one is left behind because their money runs low. Sufficiency for all, excess for none. Imagine the end of the profit motive replaced by democratic cooperatives that allow us to decide together what to produce and how to produce it, putting quality and pleasantness before quantity and cheapness. Life after growth is not poverty. This is a life that is outwardly simple and inwardly rich. Is this a utopia? Well, it's as utopian as uh, putting a camera in a phone before we used to put cameras in phone. Utopia is not something impossible, it's something perceived to be impossible in a specific social context. Degrowth is utopian precisely because it contradicts one of the common senses of our time, the imperative for endless economic growth. In a present obsessed with enormousness the ultimate exuberance is to dream of something small, but beautiful. Call it a concrete utopia, a subversive concept to educate our desire for a future we didn't know what possible was possible even though it is. So, let me finish by quoting some of the most famous words of our time, which seems here very fitting. Let's come in like a wrecking ball. Time to demolish this monolithic vision of capitalism as the end of history. Let's rebuild something smaller, better, fairer, safer, an economy that can prosper without growth. This is the ultimate innovation.